FM's Extra Time with Ronan Quirk. Brought to you by your winning local team at Real Estate Alliance. OREA Own Dylan Nina, OREA Stokes and Quirk Clan Mel, and OREA Seamus Brown Ross Cray. See realestatealliance.ie. Hello, good evening and welcome to another edition of Extra Time. My name is Ronan Quirk. We're here until 8 o'clock this evening. We'd love to know your thoughts on another busy weekend of sport. Our text number is 83 Yeah, it's been a busy weekend of sport. Vincent's Semple Stadium yesterday didn't go commercial's way. It finished Ingle. Of Kerry, 13 points, Clamel Commercials, 10 points, and also commiserations to our Camogie uh, representatives in junior, Shannon Rovers, and in senior, Drummond Inch, because those defeats, I think, pretty much brings the curtain down on the club GAA season and calendar for this year. And uh, we have a lot to reflect on and talk about. Our text number is 083 We'll come back to that later on in the show. And we'll also be speaking to Stephen Gleeson on the Katie Taylor fight and what next for Taylor. We'll also have Barry Ryan speaking on local soccer. And we have Camogie as well. Don't forget with Ger before we go off air this evening. But let's start with events in Thurles yesterday. As I say, a three point win for Dingle. Doesn't really tell the story of this match because coming down the stretch, even as we folded into injury time I think there was only one point between the sides and uh, Dingle got two very very late points to perhaps give them a sense or people who weren't at it a sense that it was a closer game it was that the Dingle were dominant in any way shape or form they were not uh, commercials will have a lot to reflect on and perhaps what if and what might have been uh, over the coming weeks and months ahead but let's hear from their manager Tommy Morrissey who spoke to the assembled media in the uh, newsstand at the end of the game yesterday. Yeah, disappointed obviously, Paul, with the result. Um, but I, I don't think I could question the performance and attitude of the team. Um, you know, over the hour I thought we things a lot of things went to plan and just again small margins playing an opponent like Dingle with a lot of experience in their team. It just ultimately came down to that. They were able to get their shooters onto the scoring opportunities and ultimately both teams created similar enough numbers and scoring opportunities they took more than us and that was the result on the day yeah and some of those key opportunities fell your way in the first half we'd shown O'Connor's goal chance that was deflected off the post and uh, Coleman Kendi had a, a goal chance blocked as well it was those kind of key moments probably you needed to go in your favour to come away with a win today yeah, like, and that's it. You, you, one of those goes in and it's a different reflection. It gives us a different momentum as well at the time because, as you said, they're in the first half and all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're potentially four or five points going up, going in at half time, which, which is a different outlook on the game. I thought we started the second half a little bit slowly and, and they were able to get two points um, in quick succession. Um, now, we did ultimately claw it back, but we failed to go into the lead again and they were just able to be a bit smarter in that period of the game, which probably down to you know the experience of, of some of the big names they have in the team but again it's it's small margins there wasn't a huge gap there on the day we could be in here talking about facing into a monster final as easily as unfortunately we're not but um, I think the group will learn hugely from it and it's it's while, while there's disappointment Paul it's it's a different feeling to 12 months ago when we exited at the same stage again um, you know last year we were extremely regretful in our performance whereas today uh, to a man I couldn't I couldn't 
question any of the players. I thought they gave everything and it was just, as I said, small margins. And there were some big performances all around the field. We were speaking here about Jack Kennedy had a brilliant performance and Sean O'Connor inside as well. Both of those really came to life there today. Yeah, they did. And, and I think it's, it's, it's good for Tipperary football that, that they did as well because um, as they ultimately all go back now, that group in there, there wasn't a man on the field that won't be uh, playing some part in the inter-county team this year, football and hurling. And I think, no, it's good, important to see leadership skills like that. And that's, you know, Jack and Sean are going to have to drive to football on this year and the ultimate aim to get out of Division 4. So it's good to see them performing today. And, um, yeah, hopefully they can kick that into the, into the league campaign now as it starts in another few weeks' time. Very disappointing, Tommy, obviously, but you must be very proud of everyone. Yeah, I mean, this, this group, we, we met back in February um, and we asked the group to, to buy into this process and to make sacrifices and to a man they did, um, absolutely to a man. We have 37 on the panel in total, two lads didn't talk through injury today and so we 35 talked and I can promise you that not on one occasion did any of them let us down or did we have to go looking for individuals every one of them trained as hard as a fellow who was guaranteed to be starting um, and I just think that's a reflection of their attitude um, and I think that poured out on the field today which is important What was the story with Conal Kennedy? Conal got a shoulder injury against Newcastle and it's just it, the timeline was too tight he needed probably another seven days to he couldn't take any impact on it um, so unfortunately it ruled him out and he would be a loss as, as, as you know on a day like today a big athletic man and um, would have been able to cover a lot of ground in the open space but again that's that's sport isn't it like they would have had I'm sure their problems from an injury point of view so you have to be able to manage them and I thought to be fair Aldo, Aldo replaced him I thought Aldo did really well and um, for a guy who you know has only been coming on in games for, for the last couple of weeks so it's very difficult to um, you know start the game in that scenario when you haven't huge exposure to it but I thought he was outstanding A temporary team going toe to toe with a Kerry team club in the club championship it must offer some hope for Tipperary football I'd hope so I mean, I'd hope so that the new management team would see I, I, I've said it before but Ty Condon Rory O'Dowd to name two and I would feel that we have a couple of lads um, on the on the sideline that are, we're introducing that are capable of, of having an impact at inter-county level they're just a bit young but they'll be making grounds into this team for next year and um, yeah you're dead right the ability is without doubt there it's just I suppose the new management team getting the players to buy into it now and, and to give it everything as I said target for this year in my opinion would be I'm sure get out of Division 4 uh, and then next year try and stabilise Division 3 and hopefully that's it and ultimately I would say to blood new talent um, not only with commercials but I know from being with the county minors the last two years that there is talent around the county and I think it's important they're nurtured and brought in by the new management team because let's be honest there's no point in, in trying to spin the wheel the same way again like we may as well try and bring in new faces and, and, and new blood into it and give it a new energy and I hope, I hope they do that just on Kevin Fahey was a muscle complaint he picked up yeah muscle complaint in his calf to be honest with you he was carrying it um, he didn't train this week and um, it just started to go really tight just prior to half time at half time he was struggling with it in the, in the dressing room and we tried to see if he would free up a little bit in the first five minutes it didn't so it was just it's a muscle strain in the calf and um, yeah it'll, it'll lay him up for a few weeks but unfortunately he has the few weeks now to lay up and that's Tommy Morrissey the Clumman Commercials Manager speaking to the assembled media including Paul Carroll of this Parish in the uh, stadium at the end of that three-point defeat at the hand of Dingle in the Munster Club Senior Football Semi-Final yesterday. They go on and play Crosshaven in the final of that. They overcame Rath Gormack in the Farrer Field yesterday. But uh, let's hear from Martin Quinlivan. Now, Martin spoke to me just before we came on air this evening. Uh, the phone line wasn't great initially, but it did improve, I think, as, uh, as the conversation 
took place. You know, at halftime, commercials trailed by a point, and we're certainly in it going down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, a great effort in fairness. Um, and I do think it, their second half, I think Dingle seemed to just up the ante a little bit. Won an awful lot of second balls and breaking balls um, and kind of launched from there. Commercials were a point up at half time. And within five minutes of the second half, there were two points down at the chasing back that deficit through the second half. But a great effort and some really good performances and showed that they're very much at the level of, of, of the Dingles of this world, you know. I'm just wondering whether or not the goal chances that came in the first half, which I think one was an excellent save that was pushed onto the crossbar, another a very good block when perhaps there was another pass on. Very easy, of course, from the from the sideline to see these things, but I'm just wondering whether those were the pivotal moments for commercials. We didn't know it at the time, but in hindsight, were they? Yeah, the way they turned out, yeah. I think where I was sitting, a number of comments we, we made among ourselves were whoever got the goal would probably go on to win the game. And, uh, yeah, you're right. The first chance for Shawnee O'Connor, great, great pass in from Peter McGarry. And I think the defender actually half-blocked the ball down, bounced off the ground and up and hit the crossbar. Um, so very unlucky. And obviously the one Coleman played a little one too and broke through the middle and you know we all know in Tipperary how how, how good Coleman Kendi is on his left leg when it comes to scoring goals mm. but unfortunately a defender kind of closed him and the ball kind of deflected off his back and away to safety so like, in fairness I don't really think you can say Dingle had a goal chance no they didn't they had a couple of options near the end maybe where they fisted the ball over the bar and you know they could, have, they could have gone for goal, but it is testament to that the commercials kind of set up on the defence that they didn't get in for a goal. What I thought was interesting about the commercials' tactics was they obviously played a high press uh, on the on the kick-out, so Dingle invariably had to go long. Yeah, and I think there was a noticeable change in the second half. I think commercials... Kind of maybe had a couple of short options for one or two kickouts, but I think they had worked out that the, you know Dingle, the Dingle forwards very noted for kind of pressing you high up the pitch, but Dingle seemed to drop off in the second half and concentrate winning the breaking the ball um, from the you know from from the, the commercials catchers and and launching from there and and uh, that that certainly worked for them, but um, yeah I know look it's, it's you know, whilst it was disappointing to lose, you know, you, you recognise that the bookies had Dingle as favourites. You are playing, you know, what turned out to be the best club side in, in Kerry. They won the Kerry Club Championship and they were they were the last club side left in the champ- in the county championship proper. Um, so you know, no no shame in coming up short. And you know, three points was was the, the biggest margin. That was between the teams all evening, and you know that was the last kick of the game. They put a tree, so you know it, it was one point in it with injury time up, and um, you know Dingle just attacked on two kind of in 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 garbage time to seal the deal. So a great effort, and we we remind ourselves, Ronan, that it, it is a very young 
I was going to make that point, you know, particularly the inside back line where you have young James Morris, Rory O'Dowd. You know, they're up against what two or three Gainies, uh, Dylan, who obviously was named man of the match, uh, Paul and Connor, all able to kick points from distance, all able to kick off both feet, um, and it was a you know it wasn't that it was a tough day in the office for them, but uh, there was a big gulf in experience between those two forward lines. The forward, the inside yeah, forward huge. line, the forward inside forward line for Dingle and the inside back line for commercials. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, and you know, obviously, Dingle—it's fair to say—I've probably been playing at a, a really competitive level all year to, to win a Kerry Club Championship and reach a county semi-final. Whereas, you know, as, as was well documented, commercials probably had a, a number of easy games in the county championship. And, and even they'll, they'll admit themselves that they were doing enough in a 10 or 15 minute spell to put enough on the scoreboard and then they could go 20 minutes, 25 minutes without kind of really going hard at it. Right, right through the championship and even in the Newcastle West game. And, you know, yesterday they were going to need to be at it for 60 minutes. And, and in fairness, it was probably, you, you know, end-to-end it was probably their most consistent performance over the year but they just didn't score enough and I know that the target would always be in and around you know 14 points 114 and if you go back over the season it's a while since they troubled 14 points in the scoreboard and you know in terms of of of, you know moving on to the next level I suppose that's probably something that they will they will look at over over into next season but listen Ronan they've nothing to be ashamed of and they've a lot to look forward to in 2024 because this group hasn't done three in a row and that's kind of the stamp of a really good really good not great team and obviously were they to, to win a non-county next year it would put them for the first time in the club's history top of the role of honour in Tipperary because they're currently level with Feathered so whilst they're you know rightly disappointed and you know raw today I'd imagine by the time Christmas comes around they'll start to look forward to next year and set their goals and and, 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 and be back at it again and you know I mean, even this distance out whatever team beats commercials in the county championship next year will probably win it so you know it's it's all it's all to build on well, uh, I think it's fair that we ended on a positive note because they have uh, given us a lot of excitement over the course of the year and events in Thurles yesterday were no different. Um, it, it was you know, it, it was a pretty decent game of football on the eye as well, which is something that I think we need to, to comment on. Both teams, yeah, no, both teams yeah. talking to everybody. I thought you know, it was a good game of football. It was a proper game of football. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, the margins were tight as they should be. And uh, you know, certainly, Mercers can fear no, should should fear nothing if they're back at that stage again in the, over the next few years. Yeah, Martin. As always, many thanks for your time and effort tonight. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers, Ronan. Extra time on Tip FM, brought to you by your winning local team. The Tip FM Sports Star of the Month with the Talbot Hotel Clonmel. Multi-award winning wedding specialists with state-of-the-art leisure facilities and spa with food served daily. The Tip FM Sports Star of the Month. Get your nominations in now. Next Monday night we will be revealing the winner of the November 
Tip FM Sports Star of the Month for the, obviously for the calendar month of November. It's in association with the Talbot Hotel in Clonmel and also with John Quirk Jewellers in Care. If you still want to nominate somebody, somebody that you've seen in Tipperary who has had an outstanding performance or a team with an outstanding performance in this calendar month, then just send an email to sportstar at tipfm.com. Sportstar at tipfm.com. Lots to commend and in actual fact just to put one on your radar, what the girls are doing the Tipperary girls are doing down in the AFL is nothing short of quite extraordinary because as far as I understand Neve Martin and Orla O'Dwyer will be in opposing dressing rooms for next weekend's AFLW Grand Final after they both helped their teams to victories in the preliminary finals yesterday. Um, Neve Martin plays for North Melbourne and as you will know at this stage, Orla O'Dwyer plays for the Brisbane Lions and indeed I think Orla was up against Ashling Maloney who was playing with Geelong Cats. So those girls have gone over to the other side of the world and are certainly representing their team with honour but also bringing the skills that they learned on the playing fields of Tipperary to the fore in relation to that. Um, congratulations as well to Sam Bennett who, as you know, his contract was not going to be extended with Hora, with Bora Hansgrove cycling team but he has signed with the uh, Mondial Decathlon AG2 Mondial team and so it's a new start for Sam he signed a, I think, a two year contract and we wish him well it's going to be a big couple of years for him as he comes I suppose towards the twilight of his career as a sprinter uh, it's not an easy job what he has to do for for his day job and uh, he has now got a new lease of life with that French team and uh, we wish him the very very best of luck Tom McGrath is on the line how are you Tom? Great, uh, we touched on something last week with um, Ken Hogan and thought it probably deserves a little bit more discussion and that's why we have you on Tom and it's I suppose if you look at a collective underperformance or below par performances by our teams when they win county championships and go into Munster over the course of the last 15-20 years it hasn't been great and I'm wondering whether or not the structures that we have in Tipperary are probably working well for teams in Tipperary, but when they go out into Munster, might there be something there that we could help them with more to perform better at that level? Gareth, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a mouthful to chew on there, Ron. <laughs> um, I, I suppose it depends what the, what the, the objectives are. And I, I, think, I think, first of all, the Tipperary Championships are as good as they've ever been. Very, very competitive. Like you know, like the scene, the scene in Ireland, like Ireland is all 16s, and now they said football is going to going to 12s, and that's what the aim of getting now the aim is getting getting them to, to level out and get competitive matches. That, but um, listen, the blossom there with the with the amount of football that the England lads would be playing during the year. Like even even looking at the Cliffords. Uh, all the matches they played the last two years outside of what they played with Kerry now they don't have to contend with hurling down there I suppose to the same extent and footballers here like it, you know, they're, a, they're a single they're a single court county I suppose really that cuts across the fixture maker and plan it reduces the number of games that you can play and all that Like so therein probably lies the first part of the problem but like the GA is about two is about two courts so I mean like go back to the start of the point I think the championships are, are, are excellent to bury. Now, there can only one team then out of the 16 in Holland or 12 in football go forward to Munster. I mean, that's one. So I think it's more important that the 16 teams and the 12s are satisfied and that they have a keen standard of competition rather than one one crowd going off and, you know, parading their wares 
to a high level outside the county. Oh, I think that's I mean, a fair that, point because yeah. I don't think anyone would say that the Waterford Senior Club Hurling Championship is in a healthy space when the Ballygunner have won 10 and might well go on and win their second All-Ireland Club this year now that they're in a Munster final. Decidedly so. I think. I think that like there's an awful lot more. I mean, the there's twenty. We call it. We call a panel of thir- no thirty is probably too many. Twenty panel of twenty. There's twenty fellas in 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 Watford that they're they're there. But but the the two hundred that's underneath them, the next ten clubs, like how competitive is are the matches that they're getting then through the summer and the late summer and into the autumn. You compare that to the level of competition that is in Tipperary with our 16, 20, our 320 players. Like, they're getting great competition and they have to be better for it. Now, some of them are only getting three matches, but they're getting three matches and you can't have everybody still playing. You can't have your 16 teams still left in the championship the, today at the county final. Because, I mean, no, that's the that's the nature of the thing. And I mean, some of the pundits are decrying this thing of, oh, sure, this crowd's gone after one week or two weeks. Well, if they're gone, they're gone. Somebody has to go. Like, And even at the inter-county level, they were complaining there at some stage, uh, was it Westmead? And Offaly were still left. And Cork and somebody else were Watford. kicking their heels. But yeah, yeah but, but I mean, so that's the way it is like. And you kind of, if you don't perform at a certain stage, well, you are going to be gone. And um, gone. But the level of competition is, is good, I think, and it's, it's it's what's good for the majority rather than what's good for the... No, I think, you've, I think you've made good. a very very valid point, but I suppose then the question is, is the competitive, highly competitive nature of, say, Dan Breen, for argument's sake, so cutthroat, and bear in mind that they went to a replay again this year, that by the time you get out of it, with Dan Breen won, that, you know, perhaps that has been your focus for the year. It's very hard then to motivate yourself because if you're playing for Killadangan, Dan Breen is the Everest of your season. If you're playing for Ballygunner, the Waterford Senior Club title is probably not your Everest. Correct. Yeah, yeah. It's only the or top of the Knockwell Downs or somewhere like that. Like you have to go. <laughs> yeah, they're, 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 they have their objectives. Like, but, yeah. I mean, I, I, like, where do you get the balance? I mean, if Killadangan won the first day, they would have had an extra week. Yes, that's that's a fair point. So, I, but but Waterford structure is a different way. About, like, and Waterford, weeks or something yeah. Like that. yeah, Waterford have Waterford have a different structure in that they play all the hurling first, and then Ballygunner. And I'm sorry now to focus on them because, uh, but like it's a but good so example. They are the team. They're, they're, they're the, the top team. Top the team yeah, yeah. But Ballygunner had like eight or ten weeks off while they ran off their football championship with very little to do. But that doesn't seem to hinder them. No, whereas we'd be putting up the thing like that. Now, we've made the point here already, the replay was the one maybe that, that maybe crippled Kildangan, but no, there was other things we might get to that in a minute. But but uh, if Kildangan were idle for five weeks, then there would be, there'd be another problem. So it's it, it's what, you have, you have to play what's in front of you. And and Belly Gunner are able to manage that. Now, how they manage it, I don't know. Like, But it, they're a different, it, it's, it's not really. It's not really a fair comparison, I suppose. Really, like they have they have huge numbers. Their second team is very competitive, and their third team, I presume, is as well. I haven't mm. drilled down that far, like. But I mean, they're no, they're they're unique sort of setup. Now, how long that's going to last? It's very hard to judge, or it will last, I suppose, as long as the other clubs in Watford are prepared to put in the effort and make a fight of it. And it's it's the challenge is up to the other clubs in Watford, really, like. It's not up to the clubs 
Oh, no, I, I think that's right. Temporary or harm to how he... To where you get, get Ballygunner's bus is getting early in the year. <laughs> okay. That's, uh, um, but we'd also yeah, changed, yeah. we also changed the name, if you like, of our Seamus O'Rean in order to yeah. call it Premier Intermediate to perhaps make sure that the team that we sent into the Intermediate Championship at Munster were more competitive, weren't if you like 32 slots down on the pecking order that there were more 16 slots down on the pecking order yeah you had numbers team 17 going out rather than team 33 which was the case previously like and I suppose Ross Gray made a, made, made a bit of a, a run last year I expected Laura to do better but they probably gave, came up against a good player a good player team as well like and they're, they've gone on and I think well they won one one match out of seven in Munster I mean, we're the only team to win a match in the in the club championship, if, mm. I'm, if I'm right. But all the teams that beat the Tiberi teams have gone on and they've gone the other step. So, I mean, like, it's we we haven't been beaten by no hoppers. I mean, no, and Kiladangan, I'd say, and no more yeah, so than Lockmore Castellani, uh, will will rue some decisions that went against them in, in, in terms of how that game panned out. Yeah, Play that game a different way. Uh, I'm not going to go back to Fratter Field, but I, I'll, only, I'll only go back to O'Connor Park last Saturday. And there was a flick stroke strike by on a, on a Kilcarnock player. Uh, strangely, the commentators chose to just say, ouch, which is what it was. A right sore flick on a, on a Kilcarnock player, which nursed, I think, got a yellow card. No more, but I think it was a more, a much more punishing flick than Sean Hayes's flick or whatever it was on the on the Clonlara player in Torlis. No, I'm not. I'm not being defensive of Sean Hayes and that that type of stuff. But I mean, I'm saying it as it was, like because I was horrified at the action of the linesman in Torlis. He couldn't wait to jump onto his microphone to tell the referee, "We have a lad here." Like, I mean, he was nearly celebrating the thing, like which was. Oh, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not being parochial about it. I'm just saying it as I saw it. Yeah, okay. Uh, does, yeah, and then they saw it differently on Saturday in, in the match in Leinster. Well, you 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 will always have inter-referee variants. Yeah, well, you have about that. Look. But I, I just want to put another point here because it's come in a couple of times on text. One texter says commercials threw away home advantage by going to that big empty stadium. Why didn't they play it in their own town? Another texter says, the reason Tipperary teams don't do well is that they play their games in Semple Stadium, which is home to almost every team in Munster. Killadangan would have won in Nina. Commercials would have won on their own pitch yesterday. Can you not see that? Most clubs make decisions themselves. It's most really like that. And they've, I mean, since the football final has gone into the stadium, uh, the club, the football winners tend to use the stadium as their... Now, commercials played Newcastle West in Clannell yeah. a couple of years ago. They were lucky they won that one, didn't they? They did. They won that one last in the stadium. Yeah. You see, in, in, like. and Martin Quinlivan has explained that decision-making by yes. commercials in that he feels that at this time of the year, the pitch in Thurlis, which is a sand-based pitch, which is not the six, the, 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 the way in the, on the Western Road in Clamell, um, it's not a sand-based pitch. And so there is a world of difference with the amount of rain we are getting at this time of the year as to how a pitch will stand up. And they feel that their style of play is better suited to the t- sod in Thurlis than their own pitch. And that that makes perfect sense to me uh, in terms of decision making. They're, they're trying to give themselves their absolute best shot. Yes, exactly. I think that's the people best placed to make that decision about where to play the match 
where the, the Clonmel commercials people themselves they made the decision which and and you have and that's the that's the right that you have when you when you have a home match you have that you have that option of playing the match and you play it where you think you're best suited to that and they they made the, their decision and I don't think I think it's a bit childish of others then to be sort of second guessing mm. commercials for what they did they did what they thought was best and like look they came up short against a good against a good team like and. I mean that's that, that's the way it is. Like maybe they could have they could have done things maybe a little bit better in certain stages, but no, they were beaten on the day and they were narrowly beaten. Like they weren't even like American saying sort a point down with you know going into stoppage time. I mean that's don't come much thoughts from that. Like. No, no, I was I was at the game and uh, it was very much in the melting pot and there was a lot of nervous West Kerry people around me. Let me tell you for throughout the course of that of sixty minutes, absolutely. Um, I think your point essentially is, Tom, that the competitive nature of the Tipperary Championship serves Tipperary GAA better and don't focus so much on provincial championships. They're nice, but they're kind of like the cherry on top, but the real business end of stuff is winning your your, your county title. There's no doubt about that. I mean, like I said already, 16 teams set out, or 12, take football and hurling together. Only one of them can win. Only one of them goes to Munster. And, I mean, it's about what's what's best for the the majority. I mean, it's only it's only right we have the split season. And it's I think, by the way, I'd also include the Premier Intermediate in that as well. I think the Premier Intermediate yes. hurling championship. I think most of the sixteen teams who went to that fancy their chances of getting into the knockout stages. No, when I talk about the grades in in yeah. hurling football, I talk about the three of them. Yeah, like I agree. Yeah. Like, I mean, it suits uh, it, it suits everybody. The, the competition is it's it's competitive. I mean, like we said, the say. We mentioned Laura already. Grace Walker went out a week after winning their county final. Were narrowly, narrowly beaten by Rowan Moore, who were beaten yesterday by Hungary St. Paul's. So they're, they've gone on to the next step. But um, I mean, you know, they were playing playing against a, a, a senior hurling club. The you know the, the football side of the senior hurling club. Mm. And you'll, you'll be you'll be up against it in that in that like. So in they performed. Tracy's would have performed quite. Quite carefully against um, against Kilmurray from from Cork. Now Kilmurray were getting a second bite at the at, the, at their competition. So I mean nothing nothing last there. Uh, Ballin Hinch were probably up against it as well. They they didn't win the county final, but they were they were the junior the junior champions. We'll say that they they went the furthest. So they were on a, the back foot going into as well. But they performed well, and St Catharines are in the Munster final now as well. Yeah, no, no. I think it's it, it, it's interesting to look to hear your perspective on it. And uh, we've been beat, we've been beaten by by good opposition, uh, by narrowly beaten by good opposition yes, as well. Yes, like there's yes, no, yes. no oh, certainly no not one of our representatives in any grade has gone out and not given a good account of themselves. Just on the day, I think we've used up all our good luck. I think when it comes to the Munster Championship. Anyway, listen, I got to fly. But one texter, leave you with this. One texter says. Does it ever cross your mind, Roland, that we're not as good as we would like to think we are? And the answer to that question is, no, that's never crossed my mind. Not once, because I do think we're as good as we think we are. Anyway, well, Tom, plenty, I'll let you... Plenty, plenty good, but it takes... Those championships, they don't come... Like any championships, they don't come in the post. They don't. Neither does the Munster Club. They're, they're, they're very dearly won. No doubt about that. Tom, if I'm not talking to you this side of Christmas, enjoy it. Enjoy the turkey. I'll, I'll, do, I'll do my best. There's a bit of a bit of kicking and a bit of hurling to be done between now and Christmas. Yet. A bit of under twenty one, isn't there? There's under twenty one. There's under seventeen. There's various bits and pieces going on. A lot of a lot of stuff still going on. It's great. Yeah, I did, did see fixtures going on. I think there's a I think there's a south final and feathered at half eight. So I better hurry up. And, and the old and the old weather has improved as well. Like it'll be I think cold. It's a semi-final run this evening. 
That's true. It'll be cold. A bit, uh, you wouldn't want to be... Cold, kinda... but it's dry and pitches are flooded and it's grand. <laughs> Good man, Tom. I don't know what I'm complaining about. Talk to you soon, my friend. Take care. <laughs> OK, Ron. Hello. All the best. Tom McGrath joining us there with his take on, on a, 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 a subject area that does get a lot of texts in here to us in the course of the week. Uh, our text number is 083-311-3311. Geraldine Canan's on the line. Geraldine, how are you? How you doing, Ronan? Disappointment for Drummond Inch yesterday in the Munster Senior Camogie Final, beaten by Sarsfields of Cork. Four points in it as, uh, for a finish. First ever Munster title for Sarsfields. I'd say a bitter disappointment in Drum. Yeah, a bitter disappointment. Um, look, credit to Sars. They can't have too much complaints, I suppose, Drum. You know, Sarsfields definitely were the better team. Um, they took a nearly lead and were in control for most of the game. Drum got a goal, I suppose, against the run of play that got them back into the game in the first half. But you know, Sarsfield dominated the first half and, and had a six-point lead at half-time. Uh, Drum regrouped, came out in the second half, very strong, got an early goal from Marion Campion and, you know, played well for large parts of the second half. But still, Sarsfield the Cork were the better team. I thought they were in control, probably missed a lot of chances and left Drum in it, really. And, you know, in fairness, Drum, they died, with, died in their boots and right down to the bitter end. They, they went in search of a win and, and were unlucky with a couple of chances near the end that... I suppose it probably could have won it, probably would have stolen it if they did win it. But, um, you know, look, they were lucky. Um, yeah, I just think they probably didn't get up to the highs of the week previous against De La Salle. I suppose they had four weeks to prepare for that game to focus on De La Salle. You know, Big Carr was after winning Player of the Year. They knew what they were up against. They had lost, had, had beaten them an extra time the year before. So I think a lot of the focus and preparation had gone into that game. And they were like women possessed, I suppose, against De La Salle. But that just wasn't there yesterday against Sarsfield, you know. The quick turnaround, six-day turnaround, having gone to extra time, they just just couldn't seem to get themselves up for this game. And Sarsfield looked a hungrier and more focused and more tuned in. And yeah, just just disappointing in the end. Really. I mean, Sars. I think the closest they got to him in the second half was about three points. So, you know, had they gotten ahead, it would have almost been um, it would have been somewhat against the run of play. Would that have been fair? Yeah, look, I just thought the Sarsfield's defence were unbelievable. Um, Laura Dunlay, Ellen Murphy, uh, Lucy Kelly, they just had their homework done on drum. They kind of did unbelievable man-marking jobs. Um, drum struggled in the first half to get the ball past the, the, the Sarsfield's half-back line, Eva Callan and Lena Lynch. But then when they did get it past, you know, um, Miriam Campion and, and Emer McGrath were being so well-marked in there. And I suppose it wasn't really a forward day, you know, a heavy conditions this time of year. And the ball just kind of stuck to the ground, and they didn't really. Drum never got the run of the look of roll of the ball or whatever for a f- inside forward. And just the Sarsfields backs were brilliant. Um, they, their forwards then caused trouble all day, and and Drum just struggled. I mean, two seven isn't going to really win you a Munster final. Seven points very low scoring. Um, you know, Drum did actually outscore Sarsfields in the second half. Sarsfields only scored three points mm-hmm. themselves in the second half, but I say Sarsfields created more chances than that really. But um, look, as someone said, Drum, I suppose they had to go to the well. A lot of times this year, in the last couple of years, and just on this occasion, I think the, the well had run dry and just just came up short. Um, look, that's not to say I, I that's to say if they lined up against Sarsfields of Cork another day they wouldn't beat them, but just yesterday wasn't their day, and Sarsfields were were full value for their win. Like reading the match report, it does say that you know uh, drum some of their shooting let them down the last ten minutes, albeit under severe pressure from an excellent Sarsfields defence. Sometimes wide tallies can be a little bit misleading, and I think that perhaps sentence says a lot about the performance of the Sarsfields defence that you've, you've outlined. Yeah, that was definitely it. And also, I just thought, at the end, Drum just looked out on their feet. Um, you know, Eve from McGrath had kind of picked up a knock and had kind of moved into the forward. Uh, we put on a few subs, but they all just looked 
you know, they were battling hard trying to get a score under pressure shooting, you know, nearly almost falling shooting and, you know, being shoved out to a difficult angle and a few of those shots, I suppose, dropped short or, or in fairness, Molly Lynch put, pulled off good saving the goals. Um, so that that was probably the chances that Drum missed at the end, but they were, they were under tremendous pressure from, from Saracen to Cork and I just thought, you know, the tank was really empty from a drum point of view. Um, it's been, I suppose, they've been on the road five years, yeah. you know, five, five, five months, months in a row, yeah. five long years. And just, I just thought even maybe mentally, subconsciously, they just weren't up for this game as much as Sarsis were. And um, yeah, just that's the way it goes, you know. Let's turn our attention to the intermediate final as well. This one went to extra time. Shannon Rovers representing Tip here, but they went down to Clan Morris on a scoreline of 114-27. to What is extraordinary, and we were just talking with Tom before we were speaking to you, Ger, about Tipperary's team's performance as a Munster. This was Clan Morris's seventh Munster title in a row, five at junior and now two at intermediate. That's quite an extraordinary record. Yeah, an unbelievable record. And I suppose some, some clubs are, are so seasoned in Munster championships. You know, they have that... I suppose a bit of advantage um, going into games and look, this was new, totally new territory for for Shannon Rovers. But like you said, Clamars are a super experience, I suppose, um, at Munster Championship. But you know, Clamars, I suppose, unusual situation. They, they were competing at junior, up at senior, up at intermediate now, but they're the only club in Kerry at intermediate level, so they had no club championship, would you believe? So I think they were a year without a competitive game when they played Black Rock in the semi final um, the weekend previously. Uh, so that 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 result that stood to them, and you know they were very good against Shannon Rovers. Um, again, their backs were very good. Sarah Murphy, Neveleen there, and then Patrice Diggin was excellent. But you know Shannon Rovers battled hard. Were probably were probably behind for bits of it, but then got crucial goals. Julian McKenna got a goal. Um, and I think under 15 minutes it'll draw up the game, and then Eve Malachny had a 45 and went all the way into the back of the net put them a point up with time almost up but uh, credit to Patrice Diggins she got the equalising um, score from a free she's an excellent free taker and then in extra time I suppose Clan Morris did push on and were the stronger of the two teams and pulled away then they won one fourteen to 2 7 in the end Yeah I think extra time was pretty much one way affair whatever Shannon Rovers had in the tank was expended getting it back to level terms at the end of the normal time Yeah and, and, and I believe Anya Slattery pulled off some super saves you know in, in normal time and in, in, in extra time as well. So I think she kept them in the game as well for long periods. I know Sneen Guinan had a great game as well in the middle of the field. And uh, Aoife Malachny, um was very good on freeze and, and placed balls. But I suppose just Clamar, just the experience, um, super free taking of, of Patrice Diggin um, was the difference as well. Just got them over the line. And But look, it was um, a huge um, performance by Shen Rovers, first time playing in a Munster Championship. And they'll take huge um, I suppose experience from it and you know they certainly did their club and their parish proud Yeah Ger it's been a long year I think that brings the curtain down on the Camogie season pretty much doesn't it? Yeah just uh, just minor minor championships I suppose to finish off um, minor B count final actually is on this weekend Nakavilla doing ski kicking and silver mines and with minor A semi-final so still a couple of games at minor but uh, more or less winding down now yeah Well enjoy your Christmas with you and your family Ger thanks for everything over the course of the year Thanks, Ronan. Thank care. you. Not at all. Take care. That's Gerlin uh, Canan, who's been with us throughout the course of the Camogie season. We have a break to take back after this. Extra time on Tip FM. Brought to you by your winning local team at Real Estate Alliance. OREA owned Dylan Nina. OREA Stokes owned Dylan Nina. OREA Stokes and Quirk Clan Mel. And OREA Seamus Brown Ross Cray. See realestatealliance.ie.
You're welcome back. Our text number is 083-311-3311. Lots of texts coming in in relation to uh, Tipperary's performances, club performances in the Munster Championships and it's a subject area we may well return to when we have time as the seasons start to slide into uh, hibernation for the remainder of this calendar year. But one sport that never seems to go into hibernation is the TSDL. Barry Ryan is with me on, stu- on, on the line. How are you, Barry? How are you, Ronan? Lots to talk about because the FAI Junior Cup takes centre stage this weekend. And I thought that was a tricky fixture for St. Michael's to go down to Tremor, a very, very good outfit in, in the Waterford League. But nothing seems to phase this St. Michael's team. It's another clean sheet. It's two more goals and they go into the fifth round. Yeah, look, the clean sheet is the thing that stands out most to me. Um, Tremor, by all accounts, uh, from speaking to a few people, were very, very disappointed. They really thought they had what it took to kind of cause an upset. They beat Villa of Waterford in the opening game of the Waterford season. They have a kind of a charity shield where the Cup plays the league winners. Um, and they turned over Villa of Waterford and they felt that they had a really, really good side. So, St. Michael's to score so early and then the usual... Um, keep it nice and tight and pick off that second goal. And by all accounts, in the end, we're, we're quite convincing. Yeah, and like there must be confidence coursing through St. Michael's at this stage. Yeah, like the big thing is they have 17, 18 players all of the same level. The bench is as strong as what's on the pitch. Um, and that's going to allow you to have a go at a Munster Junior Cup, at, um, an FBI Junior Cup, a Tipperary League, a Tipperary Cup. They have the players, like not one or two injuries are not going to derail them. And there's not too many junior teams are in that position. And they seem to have such a good way of being able to keep everybody happy um, and get that game time into everybody and get that, you know, everyone challenging each you other. Know, and you know, for management, that is, that is easier said than done now. Oh, that is the mo- in junior football, that is the most difficult thing because everybody wants to play. And at a club like St. Michael's, you've got all top players. And did anywhere else they go, they play elsewhere. So you've got to find that way. And Johnny Cremins and me, all Vern, have done an excellent job of that. Yeah, no, it's, um, so St. Michael's march on, but so too do Peak Villa, who went and took on Strand Celtic. Another clean sheet, 3-0 victory for Peak Villa on the road. And they'll join Michael's in the draw for the fifth round. Yeah, and again, it's the clean sheet that stood out to me. I, I knew they'd win up there, but I actually thought it might be a 4-2 because it's a four hours on a bus up. You're going a little bit late. Sligo or isn't it? Yeah, all the way up to Sligo. Um, and Peak Villa plays such open football. At times, you know, you're going to give away a chance or two. But it was a brilliant performance and a brilliant uh, brilliant goals. Ronan McGuire got a couple of great goals. Um, and they kept a really good clean sheet, excellent at the back. Um, and even listening to the interview was online um, from Peak Villa manager Derek Lugdan. He spoke really, really well after the game. Yeah, really that. focused on match mm-hmm. by match. And it's been a seamless transition from Ted take, or from Derek taking over from Ted. Um, they were excellent last season with Derek as part of the management team with Ted. And this season, it's this business as usual and really, really impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Tim Alboris had a home tie and, uh, of course, Avenue United would know it's not an easy place to go and play. They're a Clare side up in uh, New Hill Park. But unfortunately for Boris, they have exited the competition. Yeah, and look to their credit. This actually was nearly one of the big upsets of the competition. Avenue... Everybody had saw the result against Newmarket and, and there was highlights of the game on Twitter and different bits and pieces. Um, and it was an excellent game. And Avenue have signed really, really well. They signed Pike Rovers captain in the off-season. Um, a really, really strong side. But Burris had an opportunity with Daniel Rafter with five minutes to go. It clean through one-on-one with the keeper to make it 2-2. And the keeper made a fantastic save. And so that's how far Burris did push them. Yeah, they'll be disappointed then. Because like home ties, although Avenue, I'd say Avenue would be there thereabouts. Like they're... If they're able to take down new 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 market, then they obviously are decent. 
Yeah, I think Avenue will be a team that'll go a long, long way. Um, Avenue have been unlucky with the draw in recent years as well, um, where they've come up against North End and a couple of they came up against um, Salt Hill Devon the year Salt Hill Devon went all the way to the semi-finals. And Avenue have been a little bit unlucky that they've always ran into one of the big sides. Um, but if they get if the draw is anyway kind, Avenue will progress as the competition goes on. Let's talk about the Munster Junior Cup. Uh, Clamell Celtic had to get a fourth round tyres away against Newport. 2-1 it finished on the bypass. Newport obviously came and had something about them. Yeah, and look, Newport have taken a couple of scalps in recent years. They got to the open draw um, of the FA Junior Cup on a number of occasions over the last few years. Um, a really, really good side. Um, they were managed by Davy Ryan from Pike for a few seasons, and they actually think they were in the last 16 one of the years after taking a couple of scalps. So that wouldn't have been an easy game. And in fairness to Celtic, they go out next week in the FAI Junior Cup against Kilorglan, and they could be sitting down to Christmas in the last 32 of the FAI Junior Cup and in the open draw of the Munster Junior Cup. Um, you know, and in position to challenge for third in the league as well. So fair play to the lads up there at the moment um, to Kenny and Eggy and Davey Askins they're doing super work Yeah just we've literally only a minute left Tipperary Town 2-0 against Banter Celtic in the Premier and Care Park a f- big 4-0 win against Wilderness Wilderness just seemed to be in disarray yeah, to Wilderness credit, they were six weeks without a game as well, so difficult. And look, they keep plugging on. In the Tipperary Town game, brilliant see Vinnie Godfrey still banging in goals at this level. is excellent as well. And look for care, they're going to challenge for that top three as well. So they're very much on schedule in terms of what they're trying to do this season. So uh, really, really positive. They play Clamell Town in the league, I think, next weekend. We'll have lots of reflections on that, Barry. We've got to fly. Thanks for your time. Thanks very much, Ronan. Take care, Barry Ryan there with news of what's happening with Tipperary teams in provincial and national competitions. A slight segue from what we were talking about earlier. Let's just, uh, two, two or three minutes before we go off air this evening, have a quick word with Stephen Gleeson. Hello, Stephen. Evening, Ronan. Busy time for you. You're emceeing the return of, uh, of uh, Up and Drum Band of... Um, Paul Ryan is it his name just escaped Peter, Peter yeah, Ryan yes great a great evening I hope you had a super night but the reason you're on is to talk about the events in the Point Depot whatever it's called nowadays I don't know I'm showing my age I call it the Point Depot yeah. um, uh, Katie Taylor against Chantal Cameron it was a really good contest again I think Taylor was much more aggressive this time out yeah absolutely it was uh, you know I think both of them came to this this time, um, you know, under no illusions. I think Katie maybe took her eye off the ball a little bit the last time out. There was There's talk that a bit of injury, injury. There might have been an injury in that camp in the lead up, but you know, it's only yeah. kind of coming out now. But anyway, look, be that as it may, she lost on points last time to Cameron, and rightly so. Indeed, and this time round, it was a different Katie that we saw, you know, right from the off, she just showed that tigerish side that we've become accustomed to over the years, you know, be it in the Olympics, and we've seen her in the National Stadium, and we saw that again on Saturday night there. She was absolutely brilliant, really a transformed uh, type of fighter compared to the last time out, and just produced a really, you know, aggressive display and a powerful display, got some great shots in, and uh, she was a worthy winner on the night. You know, one judge called it ninety-five, uh, ninety-five. Yeah, at the same time, she was much, you know, she was much better than yeah. that. I know, but it still wasn't as wide as I think as another judge who scored at ninety-eight, ninety-two, which uh, might have been a bit of a hometown kind of decision that you sometimes see. But it, it look, boxing scoring. We could be here all night talking about how the vagaries of boxing scoring. It what it proved, and I think Eddie Hearn has been at pains to say this, is, is that Taylor is one of the biggest draws in world boxing. You're not gender, not just a big draw in female boxing, she is a big draw in world boxing. She's probably the greatest Irish 
sports person of all time, Ronan. Uh, she has just done it all in whatever field she's gone into, be it in soccer, be it in boxing and so forth. She always performs and that's really the huge thing and uh, she's just hit the stratosphere and I think, you know, she's done for boxing what uh, Rachel Blackmore did for racing a few years ago there she's just brought it to that level and you know, the love for her in the arena on Saturday night was incredible the whole place were on their feet for a lot of the fight, you know, they were cheering on Katie and there was chance breaking out it was just a brilliant atmosphere in the arena and it just shows the affection that the Irish public have for Katie Taylor do you know the last time Katie Taylor won a, won a belt in an Irish ring? It was back in 2016 and Sean yeah, O'Keefe... Yes, yeah. Sean O'Keefe is opposite her. Now, Sean O'Keefe's going to make her pro debut, I think in the York Hall in London, early in December, so keep an eye on that one. Before I go, listen, the Coke Park thing, we've got to get it out of the way. Like, there's a difference between selling out an 8,000-seater three arena. My producer tells me that the Point Depot is now called the three arena. Um, <laughs> there's a difference between that and selling 70,000 tickets in Crow Park. Yeah, well, that's it. Look, I think she'll draw the fans if it goes ahead in Crow Park. Eno Connor was there on Saturday night. I met him there. And, uh, like, there was loads of people from Tipperary there on Saturday night. And I think they'll arrive with, you know busloads of people from all over Ireland if it is in Crow Park I think it'll be an absolutely brilliant atmosphere if it goes ahead um, for now it's probably you know time to bask in the glory and what she's done and all the rest of it but I suppose the narrative moves on quick in sport as you know and it has moved to you know the trilogy and being in Crow Park and that's really the next stage of it so I, I think if it is in Crow Park you know it will sell out because if you have tickets at the right price you know you bring families maybe a discount for GAA members who knows like if they could work something along those lines I think it would be just a brilliant day some, and really eventful and some blue sky some six. blue sky thinking there from Stephen Gleeson discounts for GA members I didn't think of that well fair play yeah. to Stephen listen I gotta fly thanks for your thoughts tonight I'll talk to you soon thanks for it. not at all that's uh, Stephen Gleeson joining us there after his experiences in the Point Depot on Saturday night gotta go good night good luck the three amigos Jimmy Buckley Robert Mazel and Patrick Feeney are back on tour with